0: Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in to Every Day is a Saturday. On the phone with us, we have not only a Marine Corps veteran, but also a National Guard veteran, Jay Manley. How's it going?
1: Good. How about yourself, Brian?
0: Not too bad, man. So you have quite the interesting story. You uh, served in the United States Marine from 91 to 2004, and then looks like you took a little time off and joined the National Guard around 2014 to 2021. So let's uh, hear your story, man.
1: All right. Well, I started out, well, I graduated school in 90. Growing up in Central Alabama, jobs wasn't plentiful. So a friend of mine that was a year older had joined the Corps a year prior. And he would come home and, you know, it was – I guess it was enticing I was like, all right, you know, he was a smaller guy. So I was like, all right, well, if he can do it, hell, anybody can do it. So I started talking to the recruiter in August of 90, right around the time Iraq invaded Kuwait. I enlisted on, in December of 90 and was in the delayed entry program, roughly 40, 45 days due to Desert uh, Desert Shield kicking over the Desert Storm. That was a, I knew what to expect in boot camp as far as the yelling, the, you never could do anything right, just from talking to him, talking to a cousin of mine that was stationed in North Carolina with, well at the time he was, he was in Kuwait with, I want to say second, L A R. So I kind of, sort of knew what to expect, but once I arrived at Paris Island, it took about five minutes for me to wonder what the fuck I'd gotten myself into.
0: <laughs> now, so you did a boot camp <laughs> in Paris Island, huh? Now, the the only thing that uh, I guess I heard that kind of would have probably drove me shit crazy is the fucking sand fleas. Now, did you experience the sand fleas over there?
1: yeah we got those when i got there it was february and the one of the first days we got turned over from receiving to our drill instructors it actually snowed oh shit. it's like yeah i mean it was cold as hell and then it goes from that to hot and as soon as the weather started changing that's when the notorious sand fleas came out
0: when uh what was the month that you started
1: uh, in february from february to may of 90, 90 february
0: what february six that's crazy fifth six. mine's february 22nd i just fucking hit uh 23 years since i uh, landed on those yellow footprints just uh yesterday or no two days ago i
1: know i thought about that a- if you thought about that a couple of weeks ago it's like man yeah you have time has flown since i was there
0: yeah no shit.
1: i mean i've seen pictures of where the because i was in third battalion so we were out away from everybody else kind of sorta but that place it was i don't know if i could have did san diego to me that place would have sucked just due to the fact that you could look and see the interstates. you had planes landed everywhere there's oh. island we were secluded we didn't yeah. see nothing
0: I, I i will tell you man that was a mind fuck seeing the the planes taken off you know a lot of times i remember looking up at the plane like where, where the fuck that's going i don't even care where it's going i'll be i wish i was on it <laughs> <laughs>
1: <I> know, Right? <laughs> and you look back the other way and you see the houses up on the mountains it's like hmm yeah it's, what they're doing now. it's definitely they're not a mind fuck man <laughs> yeah boot camp i like to say i i kind of sort of knew what to expect going in i knew it was going to be a bunch of fuck fuck games right so and none of that bothered me
0: now did the delayed entry program kind of help you a little bit as well or
1: no because no? i had no once i enlisted the The actual recruiter that did my enlistment was, I don't know where the hell he went. He went somewhere else. A new recruiter came in and they were bugging me on a Saturday and like, Hey, you're shipping off next week. I was like, what do you mean I'm shipping off next week? You know, I was like, I thought I had some, i had some more time. They say, well, you did, but we're fixing to go to war. So this is when you're leaving. I was like, all right, whatever. You know, it was. I remember and I laugh because an E one under two, we made six nineteen a month when I went in. Yeah. And it's like shit. how the hell do you survive on that nowadays, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I know. I I don't even know what the pay is, but I know it's uh it's never accommodating enough.
1: Well yeah, I mean
0: they, they don't uh they don't pay warfighters very much.
1: No. You know they really don't it's you're not paid well enough for what you're asked to do but none of us really did it for the pay anyway no
0: you know? no you don't join the marine corps or the military in general to go get paid i mean there's i mean you should know by plenty that it's not the job that pays the best but you know yeah. what man there's a lot that comes with it though and uh you know building. Cr- you know the friendships and stuff like that it's great but let's not derail too much from your story we can but yeah it was that.
1: uh <laughs> paris island was uh you know what that shit was rough i'm not gonna lie so
0: did you guys see the females there when you guys were training and stuff like that did you guys ever interact with the females in any kind of training exercises or
1: uh, no were they pretty The only interaction we ever had with the females was I think the day or two before graduation, because we actually had, they had a platoon or two graduating with us Mm -hmm. that started at the same time. That was the only interaction we ever had, but you would see them few and far between. Right,
0: so they did a they did a pretty decent job t- keeping you guys all separated and stuff like that,
1: yeah, it was I mean, once we had our when we had our family day and you could actually go around the place,
0: yeah, when you, you were know. actually a marine,
1: yeah, well, no, we wouldn't reason until we graduated,
0: oh, oh no shit.
1: We well, didn't you didn't you have a that,
0: crucible and stuff like that, probably No, back we didn't then, have
1: huh? the crucible that came in. Oh, I was stationed in Albany on my second enlistment when they started that, but we had, you know, we had all people from all walks of life in there. And one of the funniest things I had this, my bunk mate or whatever you call him. God, he was a turd. He was always slow. We always had to pay for him. And this is towards the uh, end that of the was your fucking workmate. Yeah. Well, we're at the end of boot camp and we're cleaning the, you know, our drill instructors have taken our rifles. We got them apart. They're taking them in the uh, showers, hot, soapy water, getting them spotless so we could turn that shit in. Well, we had, it was like a bread crate. We had all our parts on. Well, one of my, and we had them sitting on the sink. Well, I fucking bumped my crate. One of my little pieces fell down the sink. Oh, fuck. I was like, oh shit. (laughs) Well, he wasn't paying attention, so I stole his.
0: Oh shit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you see the panic set
0: in him all of a sudden, dude? Like
1: oh, he was the, the drill instructors were asking, you know, hey, where's this? Where's this? Where's this? He couldn't come up with it. They tore all the fucking sinks apart before they found it. Oh, he paid for that dearly, but <sighs> I called it payback because he shouldn't have buddy fucked us the whole time. Yeah, no shit. That was, yeah, that was one of the funniest things that happened, but it was hot and humid, pretty humid there too, right? It was stupid humid. You know, they used to mix up, uh, I think it was skin so soft and alcohol, And that was our bug use for the mosquitoes and the sand fleas. Didn't work with the shit because they got accustomed to it. But it was, you know what? It was different than the West Coast because everything we had was flat.
0: Right, right, right.
1: You know, we didn't have the mountains. Mountain motherfucker
0: and all those fucking mountains (sighs) over there.
1: No, you know, it was totally different. The only time boot camp bothered me, I guess, about the last two weeks, and it was like, all right, we've endured this shit for eleven weeks. Then I, that's when I started getting aggravated playing the uh, games, the yelling, the screaming, just the normal drill instructor bullshit, you know? Right. But now, one of our drill instructors, he was—I actually, I seen two of them afterwards. Because one, it was his first cycle, and he would, he was, hell, he was the new guy. So he would tell us different things about the fleet, and he would tell us about how he he had a house in 29 Palms, and well, lo and behold, that was my first duty station. So I ran into him a few years later, the one that was a hard-ass he got busted for like the next cycle or something for putting his hands on recruits i saw him in okinawa he was handing out linen as a corporal
0: oh man so you went to Oki, huh oh yeah so definitely gonna have to share your stories because i never got to go over there and there's a whole couple stories that i got to hear about i'm sure you uh partake in it too
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah after boot camp we did mct we did uh we went to school in barstow oh
0: okay so uh you where did you do the mct was it at camp Ellington around that time no, no
1: we had to go to that was all in barstow oh, we sh- did it at camp geiger oh, Camp uh, Geiger for you guys so, that's
0: right because you're okay so the east coast obviously your mct was at camp geiger was at yeah. jacksonville north carolina or no
1: i guess it was it's like attached to lejeune or something yeah kind
0: of i think because that's where i did that was the
1: schooling for uh that was the only time i was ever there was for that brief time thank god i don't know i just didn't care for the uh east coast bases right you know after we left m c t we went to barstow, which that was
0: a so what did you go to school for you shop. were you a thirty fifty one
1: yeah,
0: what? okay, so yeah, you were same as me warehouseman supply uh supply fucking box kicker whatever yeah they call us.
1: we uh <laughs> I mean, supply school was okay. Hell, hours lasted a couple of months, I think.
0: So, yeah, at you went to supply months. school in Barstow, and by the time I had it yeah. in uh, 2000, it was in uh, Jacksonville, North Carolina. So they definitely moved it.
1: Yeah, they because uh, it used to be – I think they had two or three at one time because when I, I, when I left 29 Palms, I was stationed in Albany, Georgia, for a couple of years. And they actually had a school, they had a 51 to 43 school there when I was there.
0: Albany, Georgia, did they, is that is that a Marine Corps base or was that an
1: Army base or Yeah, something? it's Yeah, it's a big logistics base, okay. Marine Corps logistics is base. Is that still open? Because I have
0: shit, man. Never heard of it. Yeah,
1: oh. it's okay. actually open. But uh, after, after school, it was, you know, that we get our orders and... I don't know what it is about supply school, but they fuck everybody's orders up. Yep. Mine, said, so, <laughs> mine said... Mine was one six, 29 Palms. A guy, another guy I went to school with... my dad You lived had 29 on, Palms lived, too, bro? Yeah. He, <laughs> Your story sounds a lot like mine. My dad lived in... You know, I think he was in Canyon Country at the time. So it was great because I'd go see him on the weekends. Well... The guy I was in school with, he didn't want to stay in Barstow, so hell, I would take him. Well, we got orders to the same place. They both said 1-6, 29 Palms. So after school, you get whatever leave you get, well, I had the 29 Palms, do the dreadful check-in thing. Get there, check-in, and they're like, oh, well, your orders are wrong, 1-6 is, is in North Carolina. I was like, OK, wow. they make phone calls Well, they send me to one seven. I was like, all right. And one sevens where at Camp Pendleton. No, one seven, one seven was at Pendleton. Oh. They moved from Pendleton to twenty nine Palms during Desert Shield. So their remain behind element moved the whole battalion shit to twenty nine Palms. So when they came back, they came back to twenty nine Palms. So that's where I got sent. And at the time, the battalion commander was Lieutenant Colonel Mattis. Oh. You know, uh, being with 17 was different. It was the people that brought me up in the Marine Corps were the old, Viet, the what's left over of the old Vietnam vets. So they were rough. You know, they told you to do something. You did it. You didn't it's not like nowadays where you why why do you want me to do that but yeah you did what you were told and you shut the fuck up
0: <laughs> yeah it wasn't uh, different for me
1: <laughs> But yeah we did uh we were probably in one seven for six months and we did a udp to okinawa
0: so what's that it's a udp So, uh, just a
1: unit deployment program or something. It's where the, the grunt, the grunt units switch out every six months, Okinawa or wherever they're at. Rotation. Yeah. You know, it was, we get there and we go to Camp Schwab and it's like, we go from the desert to the green jungles. It's like, Okay, well, Camp schwab kind of like Twenty Nine Palms. There's nothing fucking around it, yeah. Except it's it. That's the Okinawa version of Twenty Nine Palms. <laughs> Luckily, I got fapped out, which I don't know. They needed people down at Foster Camp Foster, so I got fapped out down there. So I spent the majority of that six month deployment down there, and it was great because it was in civilization. It wasn't up at Schwab in isolation. Right. Big difference. Okay, well, actually in Okinawa, and the place I worked, I don't even remember the name of it, but we worked with some of the nationals, the Okinawa nationals, and it was cool working with them. And uh, no shit, there was this little guy that ran all of them. He was real a real short Japanese guy, wore glasses, and his name was fucking Mister Miyagi. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. And he was <laughs> <laughs> but working with them was way different because you got—I mean, hell—you're working with them five days a week, so you. Hell, you become good friends
0: with them. Yeah, leave it to the Marines to fucking make up some uh nicknames for people. We're good at doing. No, that.
1: this was the guy's real name. Oh, Mister Miyagi. His real was his name f- was. I thought, oh shit! His real name was Miyagi. Well,
0: shit! I thought you guys were. I just like, uh, I thought you were fucking around. No. With that. <laughs> okay. No, his real name was fucking Mister Miyagi.
1: I was like, and I thought they were bullshitting me at first. I was like, yeah, you yeah, I thought you were bullshitting me, too. so no i got that
0: (laughs) damn dude that's crazy uh
1: yeah working with them was cool because you got to understand their culture okinawa was different it was still a lot of places that we would go to bars restaurants markets and they wouldn't serve us they would tell us to leave
0: too many problems from past marines or something
1: no, it was they just still held a grudge from World War II, I guess. Right. Guess was, you know, it was very welcome. Yeah, now up at Schwab they would protest a lot. Oh no shit. Yeah, they would stand outside the gate with their signs. They would protest, you know, Yankee go home, Yankee go home. Which I can understand why but I also understand what we brought to their economy right? because on every base, we, you know, we, the Okinawans had, you know, they were, they had jobs on bases. It was, that was a, that was a different place to be. A lot of people loved it, but I mean, it was, it was an island. How
0: long, how long were you there there for? Six months, six months, don't yeah, uh, most don't't don't most guys have to go there for a year usually, so you get kind of lucky
1: yeah, man, they huh? go for a year, but the reason we went for six months is because I went with
0: just on a, a
1: temporary, battalion yeah women, you know, and whoever whatever unit we relieved, they came back stateside. We were there for six months when it was time for us to leave, another unit came in and replaced us. You know, my job over there, we, we did a lot of driving. So that took some getting used to cause you're driving on the wrong, you're driving on the left side of the road. Yeah, so that's... we had to, we had to go get Japanese. It was on base, but we, we had to have our, it was a, like a Japanese, like a Japanese stamp on our a military license to say that yes we could drive over there because we understood the rules of the road and the traffic laws and the signs and everything and me being a smart ass i called the guy that was administering the test papasan well it pissed him off so he failed me the first two times <laughs> Shit. i mean it was it was a different place it was it was cool but
0: Now i heard most of the guys that uh like say they would get a vehicle over there There there's a lot of rotating vehicles because guys when they would leave they just sell it to the next marine or someone
1: yeah we bought uh i think me and hope bought a we bought a ragged car off a master over there for like 20 bucks a piece or something you know right and then hell we sold it when it was time for us to go but yeah you the stories you hear about okinawa a lot of them are true, you know. Yeah, we, let's hear uh, about
0: that. Uh, the show over there.
1: Oh, you're talking about the banana the, show. The infinite, what you, yeah. You, that was, you know, Holton, I went to that. And I don't like snakes. Well, the first thing, and one of your previous guests, the, I mean, they told it spot on the way it happens. And it's it's an old mama son that comes out. She's the one that does the banana show. And she comes out and she has this snake and she's fucking dancing around us with this snake. And it it's like
0: Big Ass Python or something?
1: No, I don't know. Some kind of weird ass little snake. Oh well,
0: little.
1: I don't like snakes. In general. <laughs> <laughs> In general. So, you know, she comes out. After she does that, she disappears. She comes back out and she stacks this yin up on top of beer bottles. Well. She squats down on it Oh my gosh! Again, disappears. And then she starts, she'll walk her and she, you know, she would say one, two, three, <laughs> and she would spit you fucking change out. Well, oh they had gosh. this one dude, he, he hadn't been there long. His friends had him drunk. They told him, Oh mama, son, he's cherry boy. He's cherry boy. Well, his stupid ass got on the stage. Wow. That's when it makes you sick because the banana goes in. She counts again every time she counts. She spits a chunk of banana out. Man, that's fucking <laughs> sick. <laughs> <laughs> this this dude is just laying there eating and it. It's like, uh, it's like, yep, you will be in BAS tomorrow.
0: Yeah, You're going dude, to getting a fucking shot,
1: but it's. Okinawa was it was cool. The technology over there is what was real cool. You could buy shit there that wasn't even thought of in the it wasn't even available in the States yet. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, but I was glad when we came home. When we came home, it was you know, my wife at the time picked me up. We we got picked up at the battalion grinder. I was like, oh, I'll drive. First thing I do is turn out on the fucking left hand side of the road.
0: Oh man, took you a little, how long do you, it took you a little while before you got uh, used to driving again? How long do you think you took yeah,
1: it? Yeah, it, it was about, a it was a few days because yeah. even there, the, you knew what somebody knew was driving in Okinawa because they would drive on the right side of the road. So you knew they were, Hell, they you know, had just got there and they just got accustomed to driving. But we wasn't back from, We we got back in August from February to August is when we were in Okinawa and around November timeframe is when you've seen all of the news media showing the starving children of Somalia. Oh, man. Well, we got sucked into that shithole hole that December, because I want to say we were in the air when 'Cause we had to go, we went down to Pendleton and drew desert camis for that. And we actually drew the old chocolate chips. Right. Yeah. And some of the some of the camis we had still had uh they were still pocked up with oil marks from hell Desert Shield. Wow. But yeah, we got dropped off in the Mogadishu in mid December. And that place was a shithole.
0: All right, let's stop right here real quick because we're only allowed to record for like 20 minutes and we're gonna pick right back up into your story. All right. So you dropped off into Mogadishu.
1: Yeah, it was mid-December. It was a couple of days after my 21st birthday. Because I turned 21 on a Sunday, being stationed on the West Coast, and we could buy booze on Sunday. So, that was great. <laughs> Two or three days later.
0: You had that all sitting. calculated
1: out? <laughs> oh, it just, it had, it fell perfectly, you know. But we got dropped off there. None of us knew what to expect. You know, we get to the airport, and you hear all the gunshots out in town. That that place was a shit show. It was, to me, it was worse than Iraq. Just because every day it was, you were getting shot at, you heard shots are getting shot at every day. But one of the craziest things that happened there was, it was right after, I want to say right after the first of the year, and George Bush Senior came to visit. They put us on the tarmac out at the airport. We had to take a bolt out on our weapons, muzzles down. We stood on this black tarmac for, I don't know, an hour or so waiting on him to come in. He was coming in off the ships. He gets there, he gives a spill, and I'll never forget, he said, uh, well, I know what the big question is, when am I gonna get y'all home? He's like, I don't know, but I gotta go help Barbara pack. You could've heard a fucking pin drop. (laughs) Because the the original deal was, he was gonna have us out of Mogadishu by the time he left out of office, and Clinton took over. But yeah, I'll never I'll never forget that. It was, like, it was like he just fucking stood there and said that. You know, you gotta go help Barbara pack. Well, what about us? When we what are we packing, you know? Man. We didn't leave for we left there late April of that of ninety three. Right before Clinton gave put all the US troops under UN command which was a shit show itself Really? But that place yeah. Wow. We left right before that. But that place was That place was horrible.
0: What was the weather like over there? Was it fucking
1: Hot and shit, or it was hot. It stunk. You know, it was. It was a just a fucked up third world country. You know.
0: Yeah, I, I sometimes don't think people in the America uh, don't realize how fucking well they really have it. I, I feel like no, sometimes they... in our worst case scenarios, it, it doesn't even touch some people's worst case scenarios.
1: No, and we actually had a gunny with us that had been there. He was on embassy duty there, I don't know, sometime in the 80s, 70s or 80s, and he didn't even recognize the place because it was just so war-torn, you know? And But that was – we've seen a bunch of crazy shit there, just stuff you couldn't – imagine like i say i mean hell we were 21 years old it was then we got dropped off into that dump that place was it was different you know it was they they were living on the side of the road and in uh makeshift fucking african hooches
0: yeah, and I it mean, was being your guys' ages, man. I mean, fuck, dude, that's the first experience for all you guys. You guys are used to living in America and you know up into that. I mean point, I'm well, sure everybody had great life.
1: Hell, I never flew until I went to boot camp. Right. And but after that, I mean hell after that I flew all over the world. Yeah. You know, we flew to Okinawa, flew back, and we got to Somalia and we went up north. We did the uh, whole Badera and Badoa thing. And you know what? Actually, up there, it was people that were starving. But the, the ROE was so jacked up in that place. It was, you know, you had, deed was one of the warlords. Well, you'd know where his weapons caches were, but you couldn't touch them because he was in somebody's pocket but that was just, it was a fucked up place. You know, we actually seen people up North that, yes, they were starving. They, you know, they were hurting, but down toward Mogadishu, not so much. They lived like shit because they lived in hooches on the side of the road or just wherever, you know, the ones that didn't have houses, but if they didn't have electricity, it was nothing like that. We would have a, Every so often a mew would come in and this is when we were at the old Olympic Stadium, the old soccer stadium. We finally moved in there our last few months of the deployment. And hell, we had, we had, I guess it was like a USO tour or whatever because we had Gerald McRaney came and He came and saw us from the dude that played well, hell, he's on uh some NCIS show now, but he used to play Simon and Simon or Major Dad. That's what it was at the time.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, to, now they I know. We tried to film know. an
1: episode there. That dude, he was real cool and laid back. He came and seen us. I mean, we lived our little area inside the stadium. We lived in the fucking shitter. We had to fill the toilet So, you guys were within, staying at the
0: Ritz Carlton or nothing like that?
1: Oh, it was great. <laughs> we got. What kind of, I mean,
0: how we, was the chow, man? You guys had a chow hall and shit? Or MREs. MREs, damn. How long well, did you. Well, you know what. You guys weren't shitting and stuff then, man.
1: We had, we had our cooks because back then all the battalions had their own cooks. Well, they set up field. They, you know what they did the best they could with what they had. And which was the tray rats the shit you got to heat up in the, in the garbage cans, you heat up with water. If we were lucky when we went and got stuff, picked up supplies and shit from the army, we would get fresh food and they would cook that. You know, we had the wooden shutters that had to get burnt. I was a. I burned shutters a lot. Why? Because I was a Lance Corporal at the time. No other reason. <laughs> yep. Fucking yeah. uh,
0: shit rolls on
1: hills. hill. That's some of the worst shit ever. You know our corman would dig. Uh, they put PVC pipe with a screen up. That was our piss trough. We piss in that, and every few days they would move it. You know. Uh, but yeah, the CBs came in. They did. They, they did great. They built us a. They put shitters all around the place. But
0: the CBs are pretty badass, dude. I'm not gonna lie. Fucking Navy CBs are. Uh, they're badass when they went away. Put something together man they'll put that son of a bitch over overnight
1: oh yeah they were great you know they took care of us there they they built the shitters and it was funny because it was a wooden box with a screen a piece of plywood that had two holes in it and you had a 55 gallon drum cut in half and under each hole so you're sitting there taking a shit. Bumping ass cheeks next to somebody, and you get sucking and <laughs> everybody riding by. You just sit there, wave at them. You look like a little Somali. Fuck that. i hey, motherfucker.
0: You're going to have to wait to take your <laughs> shit.
1: <laughs> I mean, we didn't showers were somehow, I don't know. We got shower bags, big green canvas shower bags that saw gravity fed. So you throw your water jug outside and let it get good and hot all day, and then you can bathe with that. So we didn't really take a shower for hell the whole time we were there but it was
0: some people have no clue the shit that you have to go through and the sacrifices and you start to appreciate that's why i I feel like you know i appreciate so many small things in life just even the fact of having fucking carpet in the house you know what i mean like and being able to rub my feet through some carpet take so much things for granted then you go out there and you get stripped of it all and you're like oh man wow
1: yeah i mean it was we live kind of rough you know the i think we turned the, the stadium over to the the packs the pakistanis they came in like the last week or two we were there and those fucking dudes was just nasty
0: now how long were you in somalia for again
1: Uh, from December, mid-December of 92 until the end of April in
0: 93. Okay. So yeah, man, did a little stint there.
1: So yeah, the PAX came in and took over. We converted the old soccer field. We played football in it, you know? Yeah. That's what we did. It's not like it was grass there. It was all dirt, but them fucking guys were nasty. They they wanted extra water so they could wash their hands. They wouldn't wash their ass, but they'll wash their hands and their feet. You know they wherever they had to shit, they would just pop a squat.
0: Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's it's that's funny. In Somalia, it's kind of a little similar how it was over there in the Middle East. And uh, when we were in Kuwait and Iraq, uh, the the Hajis, as we would call them, over there, man, them fools. We'd go into a shitter and you'd see you know footmarks on the shitter it's because these guys would squat and they shit and then they wipe their ass with their fucking finger and then they use a water (laughs) bottle to clean the shit off bro you go in there and there's fucking water all over the the shitter you're like oh gosh man one of the Hodges was in here taking a shit who fucking didn't clean up after this motherfucker dude damn
1: yeah it It was was rough we came back from that and Once I had two years and two deployments with one seven, I put in a form and
0: because they were getting ready to go to Okinawa
1: again, it was like fuck, dude. We just did two back to back deployments. I don't want to fucking go again. So I put in a. I went over to Delta Company Third Tracks. I was like, oh, well, this would be better. You know, a couple of us did, and we went over there, and we had a first sergeant and a company commander that. Got their rocks off on the marathons on the weekend, so they ran the piss out of us.
0: I you guys were it. volunteered voluntold to uh do these things all the time or what?
1: Well, not the marathons, but they would just PT that they would run the piss out of us for PT. Because uh, he was getting ready for running. that
0: fucking marathon. Yeah. Yeah. Now I mean, we did-, did they make you guys work these damn marathons? Because. Man, I don't know how many fucking working parties I had to do on a weekend for some O-Course thing going on or some marathon. They are like, hey, PSC, you're fucking going to be doing, uh, you're going to be giving out waters over here. I'm like, huh.
1: No, they didn't really have Uh, them on, uh, I don't remember them being on 29 Palms Hill. I think they go down to Palm Springs or go to Big Bear, wherever the hell they had them, you know
0: somewhere a lot fucking nicer than that fucking stumps
1: you know what it 29 palms is it's not that bad
0: oh we got a fan of all right you're probably the first guy i've met who said it's not that fucking bad
1: (laughs) it's not that bad it's you know it was actually it was what you made of it you know Vegas was closed. Big Bear was closed. Palm Springs was closed. You jump over the mountains in Palm Springs and fuck, you're in San Diego. Yeah, when you say yeah, close, man, that's a
0: motherfucking at least an hour to two hour drive every other which way. That place was yeah, deserted, yeah, bro. about two hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't act like it was just a fucking hop skipping away, man. <laughs> you know, the best thing about 29 Palms is the way it smelt in the mornings, it smelt clean. Because yeah. you didn't have the smog, you didn't have a whole
0: bunch of shit, shit
1: around now. Yeah. You know, it was great if because at the time that the laws in California wasn't that crazy. So, dirt bikes, ATVs, or whatever, you take that shit right off base and you ride wherever the hell you wanted to. You know, I
0: I only spent uh, one night overnight there, and uh, it was it was in August, so it was hot as fuck. I definitely when that warrant officer was like, "Hey, man, they screwed your shit up," I couldn't be more excited for that to get the hell out of there i i was not looking to stay yeah
1: it, yeah, it was so how, how long were the you desert.
0: there and uh the stumps
1: i was there till 95 okay and it the the house i had on base it was it was a Old center block house, they probably built in the base was first put there. But the coolest thing was, I could see
0: you had base there. housing because you were married, or yeah, yeah, okay.
1: Because what was I your rank see... at this point in time? You know what? I picked up corporal in '94, so I mean, hell, I was a PFC Lance Corporal corporal there.
0: Yeah, you did a lot of near non NCO. At the yes yeah. yeah,
1: you know, I picked up Corporal right before I left there, and it it was no fault of my own. It was just the cutting scores were so fucking high, and you know if they were even promoting at all. But yeah, I could I could look out the big window I had in front of my house and see Big Bear. That was a cool thing. So, every October, it was getting snow-capped. So, it was like, oh, there is life outside of the desert. But 29 Palms wasn't bad. It was my first duty station. So, when I went back a few years later, hell, it was kind of like going home, you know? Right. Does it suck? Yeah, it sucks. But it's what you made of. it. It's like anything in the military.
0: Sure. And, I mean, for me, I live in the desert, like, i mean so it wasn't gonna be too much different from how i'm used to living now but hell man when it was like beach please yeah please send me to the beach
1: (laughs) you know i left there i went to uh, the logistics base in albany stayed there until i got shipped to pendleton in 2000 but albany was Albany was different. It was hot, but it was humid because it's South Georgia,
0: right? You know, so
1: from no trees to nothing but fucking trees. Yeah.
0: So now you said you went to uh, Camp Pendleton 2000. Is that when you ended up at good old Supply Battalion storage?
1: Oh yeah, that place was
0: (laughs) because that's when I met you and I and I started there in 2000. So um that was that's when you and I crossed paths
1: yeah it was that place we should talk
0: about the the good old storage because that place you know that's my first duty station and you know you've been to a couple places and you we've talked about this that's probably the worst place you've ever were stationed right
1: you know what Pendleton was great I love Pendleton who I mean who wouldn't love it you've got the beach right there the base housing i had was up by the front gate didn't even i was the first person to live in it you know it was uh we didn't even have air conditioning but hell you didn't need it because we always had a constant breeze blowing off the ocean
0: yep but there was a couple of days where it was like all right fuck, you could definitely about use a two fan. weeks
1: out the year it would have been nice to have ac right right um, other than that I mean, hell, I had a Jeep at the time, and maybe one month out the whole year, I had the top on it.
0: I remember your was Jeep.
1: Perfect weather, you know, but storage was, I feel bad for people that got sent to storage for their first and only duty station because they didn't get to really experience other things in the core because storage was, I mean... What the hell? We what the hell was it called? The plantation.
0: You remember Sarge, uh, Master Sergeant Master Gunn's magazine? Yeah. Sounded he like was, this, didn't he? Hey, devil dog, I'll cut you at the knees.
1: He was something. I uh, hell, I talked to him once after he retired, because he went back to Georgia when he retired, and hell, he was you know looking forward to fishing, and it wasn't long after his retirement hell they told us he passed away wow
0: yeah i mean he
1: was i know he, he was a high strong high
0: strung marine i'm sure living his life like that how do you know how long he ended up doing i mean it was over 20 years
1: no he did uh he did a right at 30 or a little over
0: right yeah so i mean he was and he went a marine went through and down. through man
1: you know now i met some good people in storage but it's a lot of people that if they did their only enlistment there in supply battalion you know i do feel bad for them because they didn't get the experience a whole lot
0: no that that yeah i mean it it's not a great uh, first impression and if you got stuck there uh man it you definitely didn't get to go experience other things because when i left supply battalion i think i was there about two years man i oh I was like, wow, it is so different over here because we weren't playing near the amount of games that we used to play. I mean, when we lived over there in the storage barracks, it was constant fuckery, you know, fucking with us and keeping us there all night, failing us the next day, keeping us there that next day. You know, it, the games that we played was horrible, man. I I couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there. And I was glad that I did.
1: You know, I don't know. I was lucky because I didn't, I hated it. I hated it from day one. Like I said, I met some great people, right. made some great friends there, but. Now I, I do know that, that you did get history. kind of
0: pulled away to do like a special assignment. Cause that's where I, I went with you too. Cause you picked me to go on to Colonel Blitz, which we did like a two week uh, amphibious landing and stuff like that. We stayed on the Pearl Harbor um, <laughs> and, and uh definitely those were some fun times being on that ship i definitely remember being on there the, the the two weeks that i was on there man i think uh couldn't wait to get the fuck off though
1: yeah ship life there was it was different but i lucked out and i didn't want to be in storage i guess i rubbed some people the wrong way so they really didn't want me there so they were like oh we're going you're going to be the staff on for for the range for the next two weeks i was like all right cool whatever i had no idea what the fuck it consisted of i showed up at the armory everybody i mean because hell i was i wasn't a sergeant at the time so everybody was a sergeant or below i put them on the five ton, sent them to the range and i'm sitting there waiting on a uh, lieutenant i had no idea who he was here he comes and i was like you must be i said you must be caldwell he was like yeah i'm lieutenant caldwell i was like you don't get your ass to the range it's gonna be dropped from the range caldwell and me and me and him started talking and he was great i thought he was. i thought he was prior service because he was older
0: right yeah i I remember uh, lieutenant caldwell he got me to play uh he got me to play um what
1: it was rugby rugby yeah he was a huge rugby player. And I hooked up with him and me and him was talking at the range. And then it was like, well, after that, then hell I went to the range, I think. Then it was October rolled around. I went again just to just to stay out of storage. And after that, it wasn't maybe a week or two later, he shows up and he's like, Hey, you wanna go work for me? I was like, Hell yeah. I was like, Give me five minutes to pack my shit he went and took care of it and luckily I never had to go back because that's when we hell right around that time I don't know it's what might have been when we did the colonel blitz thing and then after that we rolled we did some more stuff and rolled straight into MSSG 11 and did that's where we went on westpac and then came back and turned around and went that rack. But
0: so talk about explain for our listeners who may not know what a Westpac is. What's a Westpac?
1: That's a Western Pacific deployment. We packed everything. Well, you had the air wing, so you had all the air support, the Helos, the Harriers, you had we took tanks, everything the Marine Corps could fight with, we took. Well. I had, we had enough parts in all the boxes I carried over. We loaded on ship. We had to load them on three ships. I mean, we took, we had tank engines. Hell, we could have built practically anything we needed to out of the parts that we took. Because we had to be self-sufficient for X number of days. Because anything, while we were on the ships cruising around the, western pacific if anything popped off if we were the closest ones that's where we were going right you know it was i picked up staff sergeant while we were on on the on that deployment i mean we had a blast we went to we left and we got on the boats in san diego cruised to Hawaii we left there we couldn't make our next Lebo port but I don't know because it was after September the 11th uh, we were actually So they, they got a little pumps. bit stricter
0: stricter with you guys after 9-11 in terms of well, was,
1: uh, ports? whatever country it was didn't want us there uh, because I, I wanted it was something they that had terrorist threats or something if we came in because we were actually doing workups in 29 bombs at all places when September the 11th happened and for us we're out in the field so they tell us what happened but it still didn't sink in actually as to what had happened or the magnitude of what happened until we actually got back to Pendleton because hell we luckily like I say I was with Dave so we had white vehicles instead of we we went to the motor pool and got a couple of the uh, GSA vehicles, which are normal vehicles. I think hell, we had like an F-250 or something. So we didn't have to ride in the convoy all the way up from Pendleton to 29 Palms. But on the way up, before September the 11th, you know, you got people honking the horn, flipping you off and this and that, because they're only going like 55 in the convoy. But on the way back, it was totally different. You know, uh, but yeah, back on deployment. Different
0: in a better way or different in a worse way?
1: No, it was, I, I don't want to see another September the 11th, but I would love to have.
0: What it it brought a lot of people together today?
1: Yeah. I wish we had the America we live in today would be the way things were on September 12th. Right of 2001 because I mean very united oh tremendous people went from you know honking the horns at us and flipping us off and you know raising hell because we're the convoy was driving too slow to if they were honking actually because they were waving at you right and I'll never forget hell it might have been we stopped at a gas station I don't know somewhere around Hammett somewhere in the at winchester area on the way back we stopped there we were getting fuel and i'll never forget there was this chick there she must have been a breadwinner because her boyfriend or whatever was sitting in the passenger seat while she was pumping the gas you know we pull up and get out she makes a noise she makes I don't know, it says hell hello or something at us when we look over. This chick lifts her shirt up.
0: Oh.
1: It's like <laughs> this is not what we left three weeks ago. So and but like I say, the everything was different after that. It was because I was talking to the warehouse chief, I want to say it was the 15th Mew. They were out, and me and him would email. I'd be like, hey, you know, what port are y'all fixing to hit? Well, after September the 11th, they left and they didn't draw cold weather gear because they were expecting to be back. Right. So you got this whole Mew, which is you got your air wing, you've got your hell, the tanks, LAVs, you've got a battalion of grunts. Plus, all the MSSG people and they don't have cold weather gear. And they were, hell, I'm watching the news and I see this fool that I used to work with at storage on the news and oh shit, in uh, fucking Afghanistan, yeah. So, I we pulled a bunch of strings to get them cold weather gear nice. because hell, they were one of the first units up in Afghanistan after right. September. eleventh.
0: Here, let me pause you right here. We're going to pick right back up. All right, back where we were.
1: I know, like we were saying. September 12th. I wish we could have that today. Right. I wish the country could be like it was September 12th because it was a united front. It wasn't, fucked up as it is now because hell a lot of kids now they don't even know what happened on September 11th. Sure. You know because it's not something they're really pushing in school but we didn't really understand the magnitude of what happened until we got back to Pendleton. We got back to Pendleton it was it took even longer to get in and out. I mean, back inside the base because that's when they were doing 100% ID checks. And it was... It changed, you know. I don't think the bases will ever be the same. Right now... they, they were before. Did you guys end
0: up over there uh, anywhere in the Middle East?
1: Uh, we left. We... We missed, like I say, we missed one of our ports and hell, I think we went to uh, Singapore. We did a Libo port there. We left there and we actually went to Jordan and trained there for like close to 30 days with the Jordanians. And that was different. It was cool. We did a lot of, Driving from hell, wherever we were up north, Alcatrona or uh, I think it was Alcatrona. I think the port was Aqaba. But we had the royal families, chefs, they came in and cooked for us two meals a day. I mean, it was. They set up and we had makeshift shower tents and whatnot, but it was, I remember everybody got the shits in Jordan. If it was from the food, if it was just from being in the field or what, Yeah. you know, but uh, I do remember they, we used to go down to the port and pick up stuff or get shit from the ships, Then we'd have to go two or three hours back up to where we were out in the middle of nowhere. We'd stop at the duty free shop and Amstel Light was twenty five cents a can.
0: <laughs> Damn.
1: <laughs> because I had a refrigerator in our section and I kept it padlocked, but I also kept it stocked full of beer. So at the end of the day, if you didn't have watch that night or we didn't have training that night, hey, we'd I'd open it up and hell, let my guys have beer. Yeah. They wasn't getting shitty drunk. You, you, you know, one or two a day. That's not hurting anything. That's keeping the morale up. Exactly. <laughs> and the, the refrigerator motivation. I had, it wasn't worth a shit. So one of the maintenance guys hooked it up, and it didn't cool. It was just straight cold when he was done. Now that was some crazy ass guys. The maintenance section. The maintenance section of the. MSSG 11. Them bastards were crazy. I loved hanging out with them. But it was, we left there, we went around, we went to Bahrain, hung out there for a little bit. Then we went up to Kuwait. And I want to say it was October of 02. When we were leaving Kuwait is when IMF was rolling in to set up for to go
0: in Iraq in a oh three yeah we had started sending guys over there early party around December maybe even October time frame so right around that time frame because I remember my buddy uh, you remember humanist yeah I believe he might have uh, been one of the first ones to leave I want to say someone left before and then I was like a second party I got there January of 2003
1: well we got home in December you know, Australia was cool. We stopped there on one of our last port calls. Oh, they let you guys in we some to libo, Liberty there or what? Yeah, we, it was just a port call there. We had a few days libo there. We had a few days libo in uh Saipan, which was actually cool because I mean, hell, one of the great battles of world war II happened there just like Okinawa. So it was cool to see places like that. You know, we got back mid December. And hell, after the Christmas and New Year's leave, they were like, hey, pack your shit. You got to go to Iraq. I was like, all right. You know, we, because it was one of the other lieutenants when we was on deployment. We were sitting off the coast of actually Africa, and we started launching the tracks. Damn tracks have run off the back, out the back of the well deck, and they did amphibious landings. Then they turned around and came back. And because he used to mess with me, it's like, yeah. He's like, I bet you never thought you'd see that wonderful country again because we were sitting right off the coast of Somalia. And like I say, that that place that that's the that's the world's asshole is Somalia.
0: I can't I can't imagine a worse place than the fucking Middle East, but man, that's the Middle
1: East was. Uh, I mean, we I don't know. It was different. It was. Iraq, yeah, Iraq sucked. Well, Central I guess the sucked. Middle
0: East is the armpit, and the other place is the asshole. So, we'll 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 that's way. <laughs> no.
1: That's definitely the ass because that place was just disgusting. It was just horrible to me. It was to me it was worse than Iraq because when we were in Iraq, it was before. Cause I went in, a, in the, uh, initial push
0: the first wave.
1: So, Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't what, what Iraq became, you know, it wasn't the Fallujahs. It wasn't, wasn't the Ramadi it, you know, because that place turned into a shit show in itself. Right. But for me personally, Somalia was worse than Iraq. You know, it was, I mean, hell, we all lost a bunch of friends between there and Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, I actually, my wife and I named one of our youngest, well, my youngest, our youngest son after a guy that, uh, got killed over there you know he was with the mssg with us he was one of the corpsmen and he was just a a great guy you know yeah man and well, when it came time to name him i said look i was like how about this i said we'll name him this after your grandfather I like, and we'll name him this after john house
0: man that's uh, that's uh much respect
1: you know and His wife was actually a co-author on a book a while back, or his widow, was a co-author on a book because the Sergeant Major we had with uh, MSSG 11, he was just this big yoked up fucking guy. He, you know, the Marine Corps wrestling team and all this, and I think he did a stint as a DI, he did a stint as a, officer candidate instructor at purdue so he was real stickler for the rules and shit but and he's a great guy i I still talk to him to this day but god he was a dick when it came to you know he was just anal about all the rules yeah he was you know it, it was like you're not on the drill field or you're not a you're not a ocs instructor no more leave that shit there but he was great. You know, he, he's, he was a hard ass, but he was a good guy. He
0: was a Marine by he, the book, huh? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, he, he was so angry, a bitch as if we didn't have our covers on the side of a vehicle. Right. It's like, okay. Yeah, he was a fucking through He was. And like, he was a poster child. Right. Yes. You know, he was one of the co-authors on this book that they uh, put out a few months ago, just telling his story, you know. And all it was was a bunch of veterans or they were either vets or a few gold star families got in and wrote their stories. And, you know, as soon as it goes, hell, both of them actually told me, hey, we got this book coming out. I say, I said, well, you know. This other person, they're like, no. I say, like, well, he was a sergeant major, and I was like, you know, her, that's his widow. And they're like, oh, well, damn I me, mean, hell, they didn't even know, you know? But yeah, they, it's actually a pretty good book. As soon as it came out, hell, I got it. I uh, did the advanced copy of it, just, you know, why? Just because.
0: Just to support him. What do you happen to have the name of the book?
1: Oh sh- No, if I was at if I was at home, I would fucking rock. Right. I'll text it to you, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Definitely. I mean, it's a great, definitely a great would book, like to check it out. you know, because you you hear different perspectives from all different people, all different branches. That's good. I but like that. We got back in 'o three from Iraq. Once the Once the 11th Mew disbanded, the next guys took over, whatever, I got sent back to Supply Battalion. It was like, great, this fucking shit show again. But
0: Good old storage,
1: huh? No, I didn't go back there. As luck had it, I got sent to work at the four shop. Okay. And they stuck me in charge of, I don't know, the 22 area maintenance or something. It it wasn't bad, we had a little shop, we'd show up there, guys would go cut grass or units had to come check out lawnmowers, weed eaters, whatever, they did it there. And it was great, you know, for the most part, I wasn't bothered. I was going to school to learn how to work on motorcycles at the time. So it was a win-win for me. And then everything changed there when the warrant officer that was in charge of the Ford left and they got somebody else in charge where they wanted to be. They wanted to be in charge and they wanted you to know they was in charge. It right. was one of them. Okay. It was, uh, I don't, I'll never forget because I'm I'm a staff sergeant sitting there and they, I got this master gun just raising hell with me. And he tells me, he's like, well, I'm a master gunnery sergeant in the Marine Corps. I say, okay, I, I see that on your collar, you know? And he's like, well, do you know what that makes me? I say, hmm, I don't know, pathetic. <laughs> and then he just goes off. He's like, no, that no. Cause he told me, he said, like, that makes me like a God. I was like, no, it makes you kind of fucking pathetic, I think. You know, but this guy, he just came across as a dick from the get-go. It's like, man, fuck you. I was like, I'm getting out. And I got out because I had orders recruiting duty. Well, at the time, they had and... Like as a B-billet? Yeah, I was going to go do my B-billet there. That was before they opened. They made the uh, SOI instructors or any of that shit B-billets because I'd have probably chose that, but I sure as hell, didn't want to go to the drill field. I wasn't. I just wasn't digging on all that. I said, "Well, fuck it. I go be a recruiter." And they came out with a, you know how the Marine Corps is famous for their tattoo policies. They came out and it was like, well, you, they didn't want tattoos showing below your short sleeve dress shirts. It was like, well, I'll, I'm fucked. So I decided to get out because my reasoning was, I was scared to go to recruiting duty and this was a, it was new so who was to say they weren't going to send me back you know right send me back with what a fit rep that because i actually called the school and they didn't have any guidance on it yet i said look i was like if i get sent back because there's new tattoo policy what's my fit rep going to reflect they're like well we don't have any guidance on it yet i was like so it's going to look like i fucking flunked out of school they said well, I was like, well on that, I'm not going to re-enlist for four more years. That'll put me at 17 and not be able to finish out my last three. So I got out and had a 10-year break. You know, I missed it and I wound up, I was doing environmental work after I got out because when I was stationed in Albany, we did, we had to deal with the EPA and stuff. And they told us, you know, if you had this this many local classes, they came out with a new MOS in the Marine Corps. It was a, oh, what the hell was it? Uh 9954, I think. It was something to do with uh hazmat. Well, me and another guy met all the prerequisites, so we actually went to a week or two long course and got the secondary MOS as you know, in hazmat. So I kind of used that when I got out. I did environmental cleanup. I was doing that. And a couple of days after Katrina, I came to New Orleans, you know, and never left. It's not that it's a great place because crime sucks. And, you know, thank God I don't live in New Orleans, I live out from it. But, the job I've got now it you know as a DOD civilian fell in my lap because my boss, I was actually working at a bike shop at the time and he came in to pick up parts and we were talking and he said, Oh, would you got any combat awards? It's like, dude, fuck you. I don't know you. You know, leave me alone. Oh, were you in the military? It's like, you know, mind your business. Well, <laughs> he, he's like, Oh, would you want a job? I was like, sure. And I kind of blew it off. I thought he was bullshitting. Well, he called me the next week and he was like, Hey, you want a job? I was like, I will come see you Monday. That's my day off. How's that? And I've been a DOD civilian ever since. And like I say, if the job fell in my lap, I'm glad I've got it for retirement purposes. Right. But I was, I still wanted my retirement. And I was talking to my wife. I said, Look, I was like, I I was like, I got too much time invested in the military to just walk away. And I put it off and put it off. And it just so happened one of the guys that worked for me with the hell 11th Mew was in charge of the recruiting station in New Orleans. He was a hell, he he was a gunny at the time. Last time I seen him, I was an E6, he was an E5 and he tried and tried but with both arms sleeved out he couldn't even get me in the Marine Corps reserves the national guard was like well we'll take you i'll say okay you know <laughs> i called the recruiter i said look i say i'm over 40 i've got i'm sleeved out and i've got 13 years active duty i want to fucking reenlist she busted her ass and got me did all the paperwork she had to do to get me back in, and I re-enlisted. I did three years at first in the guard, and well, I had to change MOSs. I lost rank. They they took my staffs on from me because, oh, I'd been out for 10 years. It's like, all right, whatever. They're like, you'll get it back in a year. That was, what, going on nine years, and <laughs> I've yet to see it, yeah. but I come to you that. You know, I see what my retirement's is going to be. So I'm, I'm not complaining about it, but I wasn't willing to go anywhere to get to pick uh, Staff Sergeant back up. You know, I was happy where I was at. They sent me to the only artillery battery in the state and I changed MOS's to uh, Small Arms and Artillery Repair. When oh, they told so- me that, I said, well, I said, what the hell is that? I said, like an armor? They're like, yeah, you're going to work on small small arms. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So I go to Camp Dodge in Iowa for six weeks, knock that school out, come back, and I very seldom touch small arms. I worked on the 119 and the 777 howitzers.
0: Those are uh, tanks? Were those the uh, helicopters
1: no the howitzers are the big cannons oh yeah 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 yeah, you
0: know the did you uh I mean, did you they make to, you go to uh boot camp again or no, no, to marine no.
1: Corps boot camp. you never have to go to another boot camp
0: well i didn't know if uh after a certain amount of time had no. passed i thought there was a little bit of a stature limitation on that even if you went to uh marine uh-huh. corps boot camp.
1: No. Okay. Now what they tried to do was they wanted me to go to some like a, a the army's version of NCO school. I was like, I'm not fucking doing that. And there was a guy that hell, he was like a E six or E seven. He was actually in the Marine Corps prior in the reserves, and he's like. He looked at my shit. He said, well, you did the corporal's course, the sergeant's course, the staff academy. He said, no, he don't have to. I said, you know, it's nothing you can teach me. I said, I was a fucking staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. I took troops to combat and back. What are you going to teach me in your two week course that I don't fucking know? I like, right. you're not going to teach me leadership. So I didn't have to do that. But, uh, you know, it was great. I was attached to the maintenance section and it was great guys there. Well, Some they of went them weren't to,
0: to teach you to, to be all that you could be.
1: <laughs> well, the army's a different breed than than the Marine Corps and sure I mean nobody is. nobody ever bothered me. The army's real big on fucking patches. You right. Gotta, hey, here's a patch. You know, you got your unit patch, you got you know, if you've ever you ever been on combat and... deployment, you get a fucking patch for that. Well, me, I chose the 1st Marine Corps division patch because that's who I was with in Somalia. with was 1-7, was the 1st Marine Corps, I mean the 1st Marine division. So we were, well, I wore that patch, so, and it was me and maybe three other people in the whole battalion that were prior Marines. So we got along great, you know, we we're all assholes, but the recruiter, my son wanted to join the Marine Corps and I wouldn't sign for him at 17. You know, I wanted him to go to college and be an officer. Why would I want it? I did not want him to go to the hard route the way I did enlisted. Right. So, you know, he kept on and on and he decided to join the guard. I was like, all right, cool. I got him hooked up with the same recruiter as that got me in. You know, she got him in the same unit, the same section. I was a gun mechanic. He was a wheeled vehicle mechanic. So he worked on the Humvees, the trucks, shit like that. So that was, you know what? That was one of the highlights of my my military career was getting to serve with him. It was. I That's a pretty
0: unique uh, situation.
1: It is because, I mean, how many people can really say, They've served in the military with their child.
0: Right. It's that's a very uh the very uh, I do I do the, know that there are some cases out there, but it, you don't hear about it all the time.
1: They there there are some, but there's it's not that many.
0: No, because it's 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 one thing that maybe they served around the same time, but to be in the same unit and like work in the same general area, that's
1: yeah. that's pretty I mean, rare. We worked in the same section. Yeah, that's that's rare i handled the gun section and you know and but it was kind of you know what i guess it was he got a lot was expected of him because he was my son and not for me because i knew what he was capable of but you know the other because the the army doesn't have staff NCOs, it's just fucking NCOs. So all the NCOs and everybody, they were expecting a lot out of him because he was my child. Right. But we were, like I say, I wore a first Marine Marine division patch and we were up in Mississippi at Camp Shelby doing our three-week annual training during the summer. I'm sloshing around in the mud, helping a guy get a Humvee unstuck, and this guy is—we had a, our ex, a new exo. He was a light bird. He was like, "Hey, hey, Sergeant, where'd you get that first Marine, Marine Division patch?" I was like, "I was like, well, I was like, at the time, Lieutenant Colonel Mattis was my first battalion commander." I said, "What the fuck, you know about that, sir?" He said, I was a Lance Corporal twice. What the fuck you know about that? I said, nothing. You got me. <laughs> so, I mean, hell, he was prior enlisted. And, you know, he did uh, enlistment in the Marine Corps. He got out like okay. uh, E-5, E-6. He joined the Guard. And, hell, he went the officer route. Now he's a probably a full bird. Right. But it was, the Army's different. It was, I made up my I knew it was time for me to go because you got to figure being in the guard, the people don't have the discipline that active duty has for them because they do it one week out the month, two weeks out the summer.
0: Right.
1: So, you know, the mentality isn't there because I told them one day, I said, look, I said, we're going to have to bring your parents to drill today, day tomorrow. Oh, really? What are we going to do? I was like, "Well, I'm gonna line them all up. I'm gonna take this belt off, and I'm gonna beat their asses, and I'm gonna show them what they should have fucking did to you turds." (laughs) Uh, And they're like, "That's just messed up." I was like, "No, I was like, the way your parents raised you's messed up." You know, that granted, it was some good people, but it was. There's good and there's bad in every branch, every, you know, active reserve, whatever. Right. Because when I was, when I got sent back to supply battalion, one of the guys called me in 04. He was like, hey, so-and-so just got arrested. NCIS is here. Well, I go to the barracks. I talk to NCIS. Well, come to find out, the one of the biggest fucking ecstasy dealers at Pendleton worked for me, and I had no idea. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, so it's, Mm. he came and did his job. I didn't care what he was doing. I didn't go check every move he made.
0: Right.
1: And you know, it was, it was, I've met a lot of good people in the guard. It, like I say, it was totally different. They, nobody really bothered me because they just seen me as an old Marine. And I did my first first three i was coming up on my first three years i just had knee surgery i had a full beard and a marine corps t-shirt on i go over to uh the company office and whatnot i'm talking to the guy i said hey i was like is my knee surgery going to affect my retirement he's like no we can do it now i was like okay well he calls upstairs dude and i re-enlisted in the national guard for five more years to cover my seven in shorts, a bandaged up knee just from knee surgery, a full beard and a fucking Marine Corps t-shirt. That's how I reenlisted my second time in the guard. Wow. But it was, you know, it was different. Like I say there, everything about it was different. Working with the maintenance section was great because, I had my own trucks. I had, you know, I had big ass trucks loaded down with tools and we'd go to the gun lines. Me and my guys would go to the gun lines. We'd go work the guns. Nobody bothered us. We took care of business. That's awesome. The guns stayed up and you know, but I'm I knew it was time for me to go when we had a, one of our two week summers, you know, if I, I was brought up in the core by the old Vietnam vets where you you just did what you were told. Yeah. Here, now, I mean, now it, it's a totally different mentality. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the technology we have now. We didn't have any of that coming up. Right. So you can tell, tell A lot more younger, distractions these for these guys, younger guys. Yeah. yeah. You tell them to go do something, and it's like, why? Why are you telling me? Right. Because I said so. That's why. Yeah. Don't question me. Just do what I say. So. I had no problem yelling, cussing, and throwing stuff at them. I would throw an impact wrench across the fucking maintenance bag. I didn't care. Yeah. And after one of those rants, I, I was talking to my son and I said, Look, I said, it's time for me to go. Right. I said, like, I don't relate to these. I said, I don't relate to this generation. I said, like, You do. I was like, Because you're one of them. And I did my time. i you know, I was eligible to go in December. I went home. I told my wife, I say, like, I'm not quite ready because it's, you do that much time in the military. It's, I just wasn't ready. Right. I needed a little bit more time. So I did a couple of more months, dropped my package. I mean, I dropped my package right after I was eligible and told them, look, this is going to be my last date. And, then I got to start my fight with the VA.
0: Perfect. Let's stop right here and we're going to pick up again. All right. Back on with the VA.
1: Yeah. Like I was saying, I retired and then I got to start my fight with the VA, which in itself is, it's a backward system. You know, it's kind of like being a DOD civilian. If you're a veteran, they're going to give you the shit jobs. You don't get the. You know, especially here where I'm at, you don't get the high-level GS jobs because all you've got is military experience. You don't have a piece of paper that says, oh, you've got a master's to back up what you can do because they, they really have no idea what your capabilities are. But with the VA, I was smart. I listened to some of the guys here at work, you know, a bunch of, we have one of them that, it's a bunch of vets out that work here with me, which is cool. But one was like, look, do an intent to file. So as soon as I, I knew I was going to retire, I did my intent to file. To
0: well, get like at least the 0% the... or whatever it is to get on the,
1: Well, I just did an intent to file. I right. put all my claims together and. I put all my shit together and put it in the system and said, look, I plan on filing this, but cause they, they give you 12 months to file it. Okay. Well, when I was going through the out processing with the guard, one of the guys told me, he's like, Hey, you know, have you did anything with the VA? It's like, no, he's like, call this guy. They're a veterans advocate. They're state Louisiana state employees, but that's their job. They. Or veterans advocate, they help you fill the paperwork out. They submit it for you. I was like, cool. I called one of them, submitted everything. And it took, I did my compensation and payment exams and, you know, it took a couple of months and they came back and said, yes, we're going to give you this amount, but this and this and this it not service related. It's like, how? So I did an appeal. I did an appeal over right at a year ago. I'm still waiting on response for the two appeals I did, but the VA system is, it's-
0: It's rough, man. It's it's fucked. Yeah, it is fucked. And I feel, you know, being that I went down this, the whole path and it took me years, like I think about three to five years to, get where i'm at today but um i feel like the way the the va set up man it's 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 made for they they, it seems like to me they basically deny almost everybody the first time that they submit so they kind of i think in their head thinks well well once we fail these guys they're not going to come back again for a second time because i think they do understand that a lot of us veterans for one don't like doing paperwork and don't like doing appointments and all that shit and of course what do they do throw nothing but paperwork nothing but appointments at you and uh it starts to get a little discouraging especially when you go to these things and then you know a couple months later you get a fucking paper in the mail and it says denied and you're like what the fuck so then you got to start the whole appeal <laughs> process up and then you're you're going right back through it all again man and then Lo and behold, after you do the whole appeal process, then they fucking, they pass it in, in, you know, so it's just crazy to me that they always, it seems like they always, you know, deny people the first go around and then they seem to accept them the second time. So if you're listening to this and you're fighting with the VA, the the main thing is, is don't fucking give up because that's exactly what they want you to do is give up. And, you know, luckily for me, I have a wife who's, you know, pushy, pushy, and she doesn't mind doing paperwork and sitting on the phone waiting. So um, at least I have that because a lot of times I would have said, fuck these motherfuckers. And I've said that. And my wife's like, no, we're gonna go, you know, we still gotta keep fighting. And I'm like, all right. But thank God because of her though, um, you know, I got finally where I needed to be.
1: You know, it's uh, the VA does make it easy. But like I say, it was guys here that had went through the process. One of them was, you know, he got medically retired from the CBs. Another, he got out of the army and he was, you know, he had a nice percentage. So they knew how the VA system worked. But what made it easier for me was going through a veterans advocate here, you know, because they knew how to fill the paperwork out. And I don't know if what other states have but no that's exactly what i ended up
0: doing too is 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 finding an advocacy person um you know other than my wife uh that kind of knew all the ins and outs and the 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 behind the scenes stuff so you know again if you are listening to this and you were dealing with the va there are these um advocacy you know uh, things out there i found mine on facebook i think and the you know they're not looking for money. They really are looking for you to go get your hundred percent or whatever you need.
1: Yeah, because it you know a lot of people I've heard they'll go through these attorneys, but you got to pay the attorneys X number of dollars for a year. No, don't don't even go that route. No, you know you use the advocates. That's what they're there for. Right. It's. It's a a long, drawn-out process. And a lot of these advocates
0: are are fucking uh, veterans, you know, so that's they've been there, done that. They already kind of know what to do. So it's better to find someone that's already really done it versus a lawyer who's really kind of looking for your fucking money. At the end of the day, he could give a
1: shit about your life. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, back to the guard thing real quick, something that I forgot to mention was not only was – serving with my son, great. When I retired, they talked my son into taking my job. So he had to go, he had to go to MOS school. Now he's, he's actually the howitzer mechanic or the gun mechanic. He's running this, he's running my old section. He did what he had to do. So he actually picked up his E5 and I was able to promote him. You know, so I wish awesome. it would happen while I was still on while I was still in, but it happened. He got promoted this past December. So, you know, that's uh that was the last thing I wanted to do while I was in was promote him. So I actually got to take my old rank off my uniforms, promote him with that. And you know, now he's running my whole section and doing great, and he'll do way better than I ever did at it.
0: So, did, when you guys uh do promotions in the army or the national guard, I should say, do uh you guys pin them the right way how we do in the marine corps without the backs and fucking pop them on the collarbone or what?
1: Well, <laughs> since it is hazing. It's the, no, it's the army. Well, you know what, when he, I think he picked up E two or something. Ah. I gave him the, cause he had the old metal Chevron then. So yes, I did it that way, but the army doesn't put it on the collar; They put it right in the center of the chest with a Velcro patch. Uh, so instead right. of, instead of, uh, pinning them to his collarbones, I just had to pop him in the chest
0: well, fuck, that works.
1: <laughs> it's different. You know, it's... But it's... Yeah. Nowadays, that's... The hell, it was hazing back then. It was hazing when I got my blood stripes and I had to walk the gauntlet. Right.
0: So, I mean... I, I feel like any time I've ever talked to someone who went uh, Marine to Army, there's always more pride being a Marine.
1: Yeah, because... That's what's instilled in you from the get-go, right. you know? And it's not to diminish anything from anybody in the Army than any other branches, but the Marine Corps holds its people to a higher standard as far as that, you know, the customs, the courtesies, the history. You learn where it all started.
0: So was uh, the National Guard a little bit more lax than what you were used to in the Marine Corps?
1: Oh, it was way lax, <laughs> you know? Yeah. it was it was way different. It was night and day from the Marine Corps. You know, I met a lot of good people there that you know I talked to to this day. And this, you make friendships like any other way you any anywhere you go in the military. You know, and they were great people. But it's the mainly the the older ones the ones that's been in for a while or hell been in close to you know 20 years or so because hell i joined the guard when i should have done retired from the marine corps and you know be mid to late 40s trying to keep up with 18 year olds that's a bitch
0: yeah i could see that (laughs) body definitely doesn't heal and recover as fast anymore
1: no, it doesn't, you know, but it's, yeah, it's different. It was way different. I had a blast with them, but it was it the Marine Corps? No, it wasn't even close.
0: Now, do you feel like uh, maybe it, because it was like the National Guard versus, do you feel like maybe the enlisted side, like on the Army, you know, Army side, do you feel like maybe they're probably closer and it maybe it was just a whole reservist type deal or do you feel in general it's different
1: no I think across the board it's different because you know we we pulled out of Kuwait out of Iraq went to Kuwait and we got sent to an army base it was me a gunny and a handful of troops and we would sit down and Sit down in the chow hall, where they'd get up. By the time we got drinks and came back, they were gone. They moved, so we never. And this happened two or three times. And I finally asked one of them. I said, "Look, I said, I know you're gonna fucking leave, but why?" And they were told to don't associate with the Marines because they're different. (laughs) But even then, I mean, even when we were in Somalia, and we had to deal with the army they it was like a totally separate rules of engagement for them you know yeah
0: I know I know you know seeing them in their uniform versus us they definitely weren't uh sticklers on on uh their uniform is is like the Marine Corps was man good God forbid you like a fucking Irish pendant or something sticking out of your you know button
1: (laughs) no it was You know, I, it was funny because the, hell, it was the weird digital pattern that I got when I went in the guard, the lighter colored one. Yeah, yeah. And, hell, I would pull it out the dryer. I ironed it. Why? Because that's what I was used to. And it was only one other person that i'd seen with iron camis and because i said something to him one day i said you fucking iron those huh (laughs) he's like yeah he said that's what we used to do when we had the uh regular camis the old woodlands i was like all right i was like i was just curious because nobody else i've seen ironed them you know the the customs and courtesies are different it was weird because they'll fucking salute inside with no cover on it's like what the fuck are you doing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, we did yeah, no fucking way.
1: But, yeah, all in all, it was, it was a culture shock to to do it, but because the first drill, the uh, E7 I talked to, he's like, look, just, uh, just observe, don't say anything. I said, what, it's going to make my fucking head explode or what? He said, yeah, probably so. He said, because it's not what you're used to. And I show up, and this chick walks in the formation with no fucking cover on. It's like, where the fuck's her cover? Why is her hand not on her head? You know, right? sit just that we were taught, and it, you know, a lot of us lacks. But like the gun crews, those guys train just as hard as, you know, the acting beauty counterparts. You know, firing these guns. The maintenance crews—they were when it comes to work, they worked. You know, the maintenance guys worked, the fucking gun crews worked because they had to send rounds downrange, and we had to keep the guns and the vehicles up. Yeah. So, all in all, you know, is I seen it changing. It, it was a big change from just the. The way things were in 04 to 14 and then i watched it change and get you know it's it's a generational thing because like i said we didn't have the technology hell even in 04 we didn't have the technology we had today yeah right you know nobody was technology now you can't even keep up with it
0: dude the the technology's so fast like fucking, you get a brand new cell phone and six months later like oh The fucking iPhone 30 is coming out, you know,
1: (laughs) shit. But yeah, it's, you know, I met a lot of great people. I had a lot of fun times in the military. When you think about the military, you know, my career as a whole, you don't sit back and think about the bad times. The only thing you think of are the good times. And it's people I spoke with my first enlistment that I still talk to to this day
0: isn't it ironic how it works man like when you're in the fucking core all you think about is all the shitty things that's going down and then when you get out all you think about is all the fucking great things that you miss and stuff like that and same thing like even even like when you're in man like you're not wearing like marine shirts and stuff as much but you get out and you're a veteran man now we're all fucking tatted up with marine tats and wearing hats and shirts <laughs> it's
1: you know funny. it's just a uh I mean, hell, like I said, I re-enlisted in the National Guard with a fucking Marine Corps t-shirt on. Yeah. Who does that? Right. <laughs> I, promoted my son. I told him, I called him that day. He's like, Dad, I'm getting promoted today. I was like, I know.
0: They I probably, like, know you know, you're not the first Marine to win Army and or National Guard, so no. I'm sure they're like uh, another one of these motherfuckers,
1: you know? <laughs> you know, and they, uh, I told him, I said, hey, I said, wait till you see what shirt I got on. I think I had a Charlie one seven shirt on that day. Oh shit. It was like <laughs> whatever. They right. they knew how I was, you know. I yes, I'm thankful that I was able to re enlist into the National Guard and get my retirement. But you know, was I you know, I don't tell people, yeah, you know, I retired from the Guard. No, I was a Marine.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, because I, I was pretty people. shocked
0: to hear that you uh, went National Guard, man. That was totally I did. You know why?
1: Because, yeah, I, the National Guard used me for And they took you.
0: The back. Marine Corps didn't want you back.
1: No. Because you were Marine, tatted I up. I back in the Marine Corps with my tattoos. Yeah. The, you know, I'm thankful that the National Guard said, yes, we will take you. With, I mean, it was me and a guy sat down for like five hours with a fucking ruler and a camera taking pictures of my tattoos. <laughs> Two minutes later, they fucking did away with the policy. It's like, really, stupid. but yeah, I mean, I can't, it, it was different, but I'm thankful that they let me reenlist and finish out my time and draw And you know, so I can be retired now.
0: That's great. Yep.
1: You know, it was, Hey, they used me and I used them, you know? That's good, man. I, I use him for my retirement, and they use me for my back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Trade-off. But, hey, man, I want to say thank you so much. It's probably a good point for us to stop. We could probably talk all day long. Um, but I really appreciate you working through all the technical difficulties and stuff like that, um, trying new things and uh, didn't go as planned. But I really appreciate your patience with me, man. Appreciate you coming on, telling your experience and your stories. I would love to probably have you on again if you're willing to come back on again. Um, uh, but, uh, no problem. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, anybody, uh, this is uh, Sergeant Jay Manley, United States Marine, also National Guard veteran. We appreciate you so much, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy.